This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. Typically on a Sunday, I bring you a piece of writing from one of the great minds of the church, but today I'm going to try something a little different. September is the month of Our Lady of Sorrows, and the feast by that name is on September 15th. It's the day I completed and will renew my consecration to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart, and as such, I thought it fitting to explain this devotion of the Church and why it's important in our time. The Church is clearly going through a passion of its own right now, though whether that is the passion of the Church of Catholic prophecy is something we won't know until it passes. But Our Lady's Immaculate and Sorrowful Heart does await us as a shelter in the storm. We can begin with Our Lady of Consolation, whose feast day on the Preconciliar calendar was on September 14th, yesterday by my count. That feast still technically exists on the modern calendar, but isn't observed really, except at any of the shrines or parishes dedicated to Our Lady under the title of Consolation. The University of Dayton has an interesting Catholic database, and they have a short snippet on the origins of that title of Our Lady as answered by a priest. Quote, our Lady of Consolation is venerated in the National Shrine and Basilica of Cary, Ohio. The image venerated there is that of the Patroness of Luxembourg. The title Consolatrix Afflictorum, Consolation of the Afflicted, is part of the Litanies of Laredo. The origin of this advocation is Augustinian. The Augustinian monks are the founders and propagators of this special devotion to Mary. It began with the foundation in 1436 in Bologna, Italy, of the confraternity of the Holy Censure of Our Lady of Consolation, and became subsequently very popular throughout the world. Mary and child are represented in sumptuous vestments. Mary's mantle shows a big star, and her halo has twelve little stars. Her tunic is fastened with a black censure, a belt or sash, typical of the one worn by Augustinian monks. This image, venerated by said confraternity, has its origin in a legend according to which Monica, mother of Augustine, sought help and consolation in praying to Our Lady. Mary, in answer, took her black belt and gave it to Monica with a promise that whoever wore this belt would receive her special consolation and protection. This memorial is celebrated on September 4th. End quote. Logically, consolation is something that we need when we experience our own tribulations, persecutions, or sorrows of any kind. But what of Our Lady of Sorrows? Where does this come from? Catholic Straight Answers has a good piece on this, and I'll quote the whole thing verbatim. All sources for this are linked in the show notes at returntotradition.org, which I normally don't bother with making on the weekends, but I will today. At Catholic Straight Answers, they ask, why do we call Mary Our Lady of Sorrows? And their answer is really informative. Quote, the title of Our Lady of Sorrows given to our Blessed Mother focuses on her intense suffering and grief during the passion and death of our Lord. Traditionally, this suffering was not limited to the passion and death event. Rather, it comprised the seven dolors, or seven sorrows, of Mary, which were foretold by the priest Simeon, who proclaimed to Mary, This child Jesus is destined to be the downfall and the rise of many in Israel, a sign that will be opposed, and you yourself shall be pierced with a sword, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be laid bare. See the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 34 to 35. These seven sorrows of our Blessed Mother include the prophecy of Simeon, the flight of the Holy Family into Egypt, the loss and finding of the child Jesus in the temple, Mary's meeting of Jesus on his way to Calvary, Mary's standing at the foot of the cross when our Lord was crucified, her holding of Jesus when he was taken down from the cross, and then our Lord's burial. 
in all the prophecy of Simeon that a sword would pierce our blessed mother's heart was fulfilled in these events. For this reason, Mary is sometimes depicted with her heart exposed and with seven swords piercing it. More importantly, each new suffering was received with courage, love, and trust that echoed her fiat. Let it be done unto me according to thy word, first uttered at the Annunciation. This feast of Our Lady of Sorrows grew in popularity in the 12th century, although under various titles. Granted, some writings would place its roots in the 11th century, especially among the Benedictine monks. By the 14th and 15th centuries, the feast and devotion were widespread throughout the church. Interestingly, in 1482, the feast was officially placed in the Roman Missal under the title of Our Lady of Compassion, highlighting the great love our Blessed Mother displayed in suffering with her son. The word compassion derives from the Latin roots cum impatior, which means to suffer with. Our Blessed Mother's sorrow exceeded anyone else's since she was the mother of Jesus, who was not only her son, but also her Lord and Savior. She truly suffered with her son, end quote. That quote gets to the heart of Mary as co-redemptrix and mediatrix of all graces, which Paca Papa Francis denied publicly, despite the faithful believing it for many centuries. That does not mean that Our Lady died on the cross for the sins of the world as her son did, but rather that her suffering was part of the plan of redemption that came from heaven. She united her sufferings in a perfect way with those of her son, and she knew long before his passion that he would suffer that fate. And when the time came, her sorrows are displayed on her face unlike anything we can imagine. But let's continue. Quote, in 1727, Pope Benedict XIII placed the Feast of Our Lady of Compassion in the Roman calendar on Friday before Palm Sunday. This feast was suppressed with a revision of the calendar published in the Roman Missal of 1969. In 1668, the feast in honor of the Seven Dolors was set for the Sunday after September 14th, the Feast of the Holy Cross. The feast was inserted into the Roman calendar in 1814, and Pope Pius X fixed the permanent date of September 15th for the Feast of the Seven Sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary, now simply called the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. The key image here is of Our Blessed Mother standing faithfully at the foot of the cross with her dying son. The Gospel of St. John recorded, Seeing his mother there with the disciple whom he loved, Jesus said to his mother, Woman, there is your son. In turn he said to the disciple, there is your mother. See the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 26 to 27. The Second Vatican Council, in its dogmatic constitution on the Church, wrote, She stood in keeping with the divine plan, suffering grievously with her only begotten Son. There she united herself with a maternal heart to his sacrifice, and lovingly consented to the immolation of this victim, which she herself had brought forth. End quote. Our Lord's passion was decidedly lonely. Who was with him? The good thief? the wicked thief, and St. John the Apostle, and of course, our Lord's mother. We often are called to bring our sufferings in life to the foot of the cross, but how many of us run from that suffering? We all do it every single day. And thus this feast and this month is essential to remembering that, and to uniting our sufferings to those of our Lord through the intercession of Our Lady. That peace continues and goes into the wisdom of the saints that preceded this feast day and dedication month. Quote, St. Bernard wrote, Truly, O blessed mother, a sword has pierced your heart. He died in body through a love greater than anyone had known. She died in spirit through a love unlike any other since his. Focusing on the compassion of our blessed mother, our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, reminded the faithful, 
Mary Most Holy goes on being the, the loving consoler of those touched by many physical and moral, moral sorrows which afflict and torment humanity. She knows our sorrows and our pains because she too suffered from Bethlehem to Calvary. And thy soul too a sword shall pierce. Mary is our spiritual mother, and the mother always understands her children and consoles them in their troubles. Then she has that specific mission to love us, receive from Jesus on the cross, to love us always, only and always, so as to save us. Mary consoles us above all by pointing out the crucified one in paradise to us. Therefore, as we honor our blessed mother, our lady of sorrows, we honor her as the faithful disciple and exemplar of faith. Let us pray as we do in the opening prayer of the Mass for this feast day. Father, as your son was raised on the cross, his mother Mary stood by him, sharing his sufferings. May your church be united with Christ in his suffering and death, and so to come to share in his rising to new life. Looking to the example of Mary, may we too unite our sufferings to our Lord, facing them with courage, love, and trust. End quote. St. John Vianney reminds us that the Blessed Virgin's entire life was filled with sorrow. He famously said, quote, The Blessed Virgin's life was full of sorrow. Every time her tender glance fell upon her divine son, she suffered. She knew that he would face his passion. Perhaps not the specifics, but she knew that he was the Lamb of God, and she lived knowing that that moment would come. She knew what it meant to be the Lamb of God. What mother wouldn't feel sorrow, even knowing that what would happen would lead to the most joyous moment for all humanity? Understanding the sorrows of Our Lady is something that is applicable to all periods in our life. Chesterton's Ballad of the White Horse comes to mind, which, as Joseph Pierce points out, was historically based on Our Lady, telling one English ruler that his rulership of England would be a sorrowful burden, not a moment of joy, but that in turning to her and to her son, he would find comfort. Here's an excerpt from The Ballad of the White Horse by G.K. Chesterton. I tell ye not for your comfort, yea, not for your desire, save that the sky grows darker yet, and the sea rises higher. Night shall be thrice over you, in heaven an iron cope. Do you have joy without a cause? Yea, faith without a hope. I tell you not for your comfort, yea, not for your desire, save the sky grows darker yet, and the sea rises higher. Pierce goes on to explain the sorrows of Our Lady and how they are applicable to our lives. Quote, in this poem, Chesterton challenges us all to remember her sorrows and to re realize in ourselves what it means to have joy without a cause and faith without a cause, i.e. in what way her maternal love is manifested to us when she holds up as in a mirror her sorrowful and immaculate heart. Seven swords pierce that heart, but one is in her hand to defend us. This sword she offers to us, that we, like her, might fight the good fight, even under the weight of the iron cope of the cross. End quote. Our times are ones of suffering and of the world hating us for the faith, for holding on to the tradition we receive from our forebears, and for the values and ways of living that come with them. They are a cross to carry, but remember, in these sorrows will come the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. I recommend you read further Mr. Pierce's essay, which I have linked in my show notes today at returntotradition.org, because he goes on to explain Mary as co-redemptrix. And if you have trouble accepting that concept because it hasn't been formally defined yet, don't worry, while it's not required to be believed at this time because of its lack of formal definition, it will be defined as dogma by a holy pope in the final days, if Catholic prophecy is to be believed on that. For a better understanding of the concept, read Mr. Pierce's essay. What you, If you have hang-ups about it, it's probably because you have somehow heard what could only be described as a parody of the concept of Mary as co-redemptrix. And I guarantee you, it is an orthodox thing to believe.
I hope you did find this helpful. This is the month of Our Lady of Sorrows, and it is a good month to unite ourselves to her suffering, to unite our sorrows to her Immaculate Heart, to our Lord for the passion the Church is going through at this time. So please consider picking up a devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. I'll have a link in the pinned comment to the video I did on the special rosary, the Rosary of the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, so you can learn more. As always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.